So I'm going to start with a quick recap. Um, last week we had a bit of an intermission. We had a wonderful message from Emily. Uh, for those of you who are here, if you weren't, I recommend you listen to that on the podcast on YouTube. Um, I'm just going to quickly recap then the last couple of weeks of my series, which is called Clothed with Power. Uh, part one, which was about three weeks ago, was, was the idea that God never intended meant for us to live independent of his presence or, or his leading or his, his many resources. And in fact, a hugely significant part or, or intended consequence of, of what Jesus came to do was to open the door for the Holy Spirit to come and live inside believers. And just before he ascended, one of the last things Jesus said was this. He said he promised his followers that, that they would be clothed with power from on high. Luke chapter 24, verse 49. That was the first week. The second week we talked about or looked at how, how Jesus ministered empowered by the Holy Spirit out of Acts 10, 38. And if the implication of that is that, that, that it's, it's an openness to the Holy Spirit, that, that it's the depth of our relationship, that it's that, the closeness of our walk with him that, that is going to be the key to our fruitfulness as we seek to, to serve Jesus. And out of that, the point I think really is is it, that if it was true that Jesus needed to be anointed with the Holy Spirit, how much more important is it therefore for us to be under that anointing of the Holy Spirit? So before we can, before we can live en duo dunamis, clothed with power, first of all, we need to cultivate, if you remember from a few weeks ago, we need to cultivate intimacy and we need to cultivate dependency I think a little bit of curiosity, that the sense that surely there must be more than this. And so today we're going we're gonna to start digging a little deeper into how we, we facilitate that, how we do that. And we're going to look and ask what exactly is the Holy Spirit's role? What does he do and how does he do it? How then do we do we walk with him? How do we press into the fullness of all he has for us as demonstrated by Jesus as he walked the earth? Now, one of the things that we've, we've covered in the past few weeks is the idea or the fact that for, for, for a believer, the step from the Old Testament into the New Testament is, is a complete shift in paradigm. So in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit would come upon certain individuals to serve in certain roles, to, to fulfill specific functions. But in the New Testament, the Holy Spirit would come to live within. And as we heard last week, that, that he would make his dwelling place in you. You, you would become the temple. And then a couple of weeks ago, we saw how, how the prophets started to get a glimpse of that. They started to see something, to visualize it. And then when Jesus came, of course, he, he, he first of all modeled. And then little by little, he, he started to prepare and teach into 
for his followers what that new paradigm was going to look like. And we see that, that unfold in a teaching sequence found in John chapters 14, 15, and 16, which we're going to look at this morning. And, and in those chapters, we find the, the most thorough doctrine of the Holy Spirit, if you like, found anywhere in the Bible. And uh, those chapters, those three chapters, teach us a great deal about the Holy Spirit's personality and about his role and about his purpose. So we're going to delve into some of that today. We're going to start in chapter 16 because this particular verse just makes me smile. The backdrop, the context at this point is that Jesus is now ramping it up, to be honest. He's repeatedly warning his disciples that that his time is up, that he's going to die, and that soon he's going to be leaving them. This, as you can imagine, wasn't going down particularly well. And to be honest, they, they didn't really get it. And then in John 16, verse 7, Jesus makes a dramatic announcement. We'll read it. John 16, 7 says, Very truly I tell you, verily, verily I say unto you, this is the bit that Jesus puts in when he really means it, when he's about to drop that bombshell. He says, It is for your good that I am going away. Unless I go away, the counselor, capital C, will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Imagine for a second being one of the disciples, listening to Jesus telling you that. I think from their point of view, it must have seemed like a bit of a bizarre statement. You know, in what universe could Jesus be going away be good news? You know, we finally figured out, they'd be thinking, who you are. We've just started to realize the magnitude of all this. I'm finally starting to get it. And you're telling me it's a, a good thing that you're leaving. And here's why. Jesus said, unless I go away, the counselor cannot come. John 14, 16 says, and I will ask the Father and he will give you another counselor to help you and be with you forever, the spirit of truth. In other words, if I go, the, the Father will then be able to send you another counsellor. You know, the moment you have me, and that's great, and, and I am at work for you, and I'm at work around you, and I'm at work with you. But when the Holy Spirit comes, he will do things in you, and he will do things through you. In other words, the gift that, that I'm going to give you will shift you into a completely new paradigm. It will take your life and your walk and your ministry onto a whole new level. That's a big, bold, old claim, that. So let's take a, a lightning quick look at the headlines from, from the key passages in John 14, 15, and 16 to see who this, this counsellor, see exactly who he is, the Holy Spirit, of course, and look at exactly what Jesus said that he would do. Of course, there's, there's so much material, we could spend ages on this. 
So what we're going to do is very quick fire. We're going to look at that 14 key points that we can deduce from, from John's doctrine of the Holy Spirit. We'll work through those passages one by one and super quick. Are you ready? Buckle up. Here we go. John 14, 16 to 18. These passages of the NIV. I will ask the Father and he will give you another counsellor to be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Right, so first one, number one, and you can fill these in in your little sheet if you've got one. Number one is, is the Holy Spirit is a gift. God, he's a precious and a powerful and a pivotal gift. And he's a gift that has been given for very specific reasons. And, you know, that gift is to be received by faith and it's to be utilized to the full. And the point, I think, is, is that, that just being given a gift is of no value unless you open it and start to use it. That's a journey that we all need to take together, delving into this gift, who he is, what it means. So number one, the Holy Spirit is a gift. Number two, he is going to be with you forever. We could spend ages looking at the word with. We could spend time looking at the word forever. But we're in a hurry. But what does this essentially mean? It means that the Holy Spirit will always be present. He's always, always, always at your side. He is never, ever, never, ever absent. And he is always available. He will be with you forever. Number three, some of these I'm going to fire through quite quickly because we might come back to them in different guises over the next few weeks. Number three is he is the spirit of truth. Holy Spirit is the revealer of truth. He's the teacher of truth. He's the reminder of truth. Number four, it's an important one. The world, it says the world cannot accept him. It cannot see him or know him. And of course, the Holy Spirit is a great mystery to the world. Quite frankly, quite a bit of the Christian world too. Sadly, I reckon we can change that. So number four, the world cannot know him. Number five is the expectation. Yes, but you know him. As I said last time, the Holy Spirit is not an, not an impersonal force to be, to be feared or, or to be hidden from. The Holy Spirit is a person to be known and befriended. The Holy Spirit is not some vague, distant, unknowable force. But the expectation is that you will know him. And the Greek word there, Jinosko, means intimately acquainted. In human terms, as intimately as you can possibly get. Nudge, nudge, wink, wink, say no more. Really know him personally. Number six, he lives with you and will be 
in you. Here's that new paradigm again. Indwelling. You are, as Paul wrote, a, a temple of the Holy Spirit. You are his dwelling place. He makes his home within you. See, little by little, we're building up a framework, a doctrine here of who the Holy Spirit is and what he does. Number seven, uh, this is verse 18. Jesus and the Holy Spirit are one. We could, lots we could say about this. This is verse 18. Remember, this is Jesus speaking. He says, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. A little bit of brain gymnastics here. He's saying the Holy Spirit will come to you. He's saying, I will come to you. In other words, he's saying the Holy Spirit and I, we're one and the same. The mysteries of the Trinity, if you like. I think it's important to, to note in this that the people tend, I think, to think about that or to treat the Holy Spirit as the, as the poorer cousin. As my friend Guy says, you know, the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Book. We kind of forget about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is just as much to be honoured. He's just as much to be worshipped as the Father and the Son because they are one. Really quick aside here because it's important. You know, we, we understand that Jesus is the Word made flesh. Jesus is the Word. And so, so the, if they're one, the Holy Spirit and the Word would always be one. They would always be in agreement. They would always be working together. And they would always be side by side. The Holy Spirit will never contradict the Word and, and vice versa. Jesus and the Holy Spirit are one. Right, John 14, 26. I told you we're going to go through this fast. Um, a little bit, a few verses later. But the counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I've said to you. It's number eight on my list. He will teach you all things. Another wonderful little verse that John writes in, in his letter, 1 John 2, 27. He said, but you have received the Holy Spirit and he lives within you so that you don't need anyone else to teach you what is true for the Spirit teaches you everything you need to know and what he teaches is true. The Holy Spirit is the ultimate teacher. He is the ultimate mystery revealer. He is the one who should be the anchor of truth. He's the one who should be the arbitrator of what is true. We'll see more of that in future weeks. Number nine says the Holy Spirit will remind you of everything I have told you. I don't know about you, but I'm so grateful for anything that helps my aging brain remember anything. And more specifically, you know, the Holy Spirit is working within you to constantly draw you back to what Jesus taught, to remind you, to, to draw you back to truth, to, to remind you of the promises, to remind you of your identity, your new identity in Christ. And again, as we'll see in, in future weeks, we, we need, it's so crucial, we, we need to learn how to recognize the voice of the teacher, recognize the voice of the reminder. Right, John 15, John 15, 26, when the counselor comes, whom I sent you from the Father, you can see the pattern of themes here developing. The spirit of truth who goes out from the Father, he will testify about me. 
Remember, this is Jesus speaking. And what he's saying is that the Holy Spirit's ministry is to point people to Jesus, to who he is and what he did. The Holy Spirit is the ultimate gospel witness. And everything he says and everything he does testifies about Jesus, about his life and his death and his resurrection, testifies of his character and of his victory and of his purposes. John 16 in the final passage here, verse 8, when he comes, the Holy Spirit, when he comes, he will convict, key word, the world of guilt in regard to sin, righteousness, and judgment. A little more detail then, down to verse 13. But when he, the Spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. He will bring glory to me by taking from what is mine and making it known to you. So really quickly, number 11, the Holy Spirit is, is the convictor. He is holy, and he will always lead people towards holiness. Well, that's good news, I reckon, because that means we can relax, because that means that's his job and not ours. I think we can be, re we can be released from any perceived obligation that we have to be the morality police. We, we just need to get people under the conviction of the convictor, who will by definition convict the world of guilt, as it says here in regard to sin, righteousness, and judgment. Number 12, he will guide you into all truth. We've already mentioned the word truth, so let's emphasize here the word guide. I reckon this is really good news. You know, the Holy Spirit is our guide. And he will always guide you away from error. He'll be guiding away from sin and deception. Plenty of that around and foolishness. Plenty of that around, perhaps that's just me. He's guiding us away from that and he's guiding us into the safety of truth. This is good news. Again, more of that in the weeks to come. Number 13, nearly there on this list. He will tell you what is yet to come. We need to remember that the Holy Spirit is omnipotent and he is omnipresent and he is omniscient. He is all-knowing. The Holy Spirit is capable of revealing things to come, things that you don't yet know. It might be that that takes the form of a warning, that check on the inside that caution. It may well be that that's the revealing of key information. We'll see that coming out in the gifts of the Holy Spirit probably after Christmas. Or frankly, anything that we might put under the label of the prophetic. He will tell you what is yet to come. And then lastly, number 14 on my list, he will bring glory to me. This is Jesus speaking. Now, this is why the Holy Spirit is such a, such a crucial part of our worship. The Holy Spirit is the one who reveals and displays the greatness and the glory and the goodness of Jesus. And he's the one who helps us to get there. Right, pause. Deep inhalation of breath. That's a whole lot of information. I get that. 
And frankly, even in there, we've only just scratched the surface. I'd recommend that you spend some time going through John 14, 15, and 16 in this light for yourself in your own time. So much treasure in there. In the time that remains, we're going we're gonna to dig just one level deeper here. And it's going to go something like this. When, when Jesus introduces the Holy Spirit in John 14, 15, and 16, he uses a very specific and, and frankly new Greek word. And the word is parakletos. Now, we understand, don't we, that, that there are times when the English language, much though we love it, it, it just cannot do justice to certain Hebrew and Greek words. So the famous example that everyone uses is the love words, right? You know, agape and storge and philio and eros, all different facets of the idea of love. So for me, I love Catherine. I love my dogs. I love Nottingham Forest. Pity me later. I love Haagen-Dazs. I was thinking about this. I love Haagen-Dazs. And Joanna, I love you. Yeah, thank you. But you know what? In each case, you'll be pleased now, I suspect, that love is just a little bit different. The love I have for Catherine and the love I have for Haagen-Dazs are incomparable, right? We get that. So in the Greek language, parakletos is a word like that. And theologians acknowledge it's notoriously difficult to translate that word. No single English word can capture it. Of course, all the different Bible translations have had a go. The, the old King James Version um, uses the expression comforter, which is great, particularly in, uh, in the United States when a comforter is a giant duvet. I'm sure that's quite the word that, that, that would work for me. We have the word comforter in the, um, some versions it uses the word, the RSV uses the word counselor. The one I'm quoting for here is the NIV, which uh, my paper copies of the NIV have the word counselor. But if you go online now, they seem to have changed it to the word advocate, which is what the New Living Translation, which often uses, uses the word advocate for parakletos. Quite a few versions, the New American Standard, the New King James, the English Standard version use the word helper. The message translation uses the word, paraphrase really, uses the word friend. And actually some versions now even, even stick to the transliteration paraclete, which is actually in the dictionary, it's, it's an English word in its own right. It said notoriously difficult to translate. How can you find one word? How can you find one word that sums up the ministry of the Holy Spirit? That, that surely would be impossible. Looking at the, the roots of that Greek word, parakletos. Kletos comes from a, a verb kaleo, which means to call. And then para, the prefix para, means beside. So it literally means to call beside. It literally, it means the one who has been called alongside to help. That's how most people describe the, this word parakletos. And if he is the one who's been called alongside to help, you can see then why different translations use words like advocate and like intercessor and like helper. But as I said, you can argue, how on earth could you find a single 
English word. I think the amplified version is most sensible. It kind of throws all the mud at the wall. And it says, not that I'm sure it's a particularly good metaphor, but you know what I mean. Uh, so John 14, verse 16, the Amplified. He will give you another comforter, in brackets, counsellor, helper, intercessor, advocate, strengthener, and standby, that he may remain with you forever. So Charles Haddon Spurgeon, the great preacher, that thou shalt not have a Baptist sermon without mentioning Charles Spurgeon. So here we go. He wrote a book which I have called What the Holy Spirit Does in a Believer's Life. Wonderful book. And he sums up this, this sort of multifaceted nature of, of the paraclete. He says this, while, while comforter is a fair translation, he says it translates only a corner of the word rather than the whole. It is the light that, that really streams from the text, but is only one of the seven prismatic colours. You know when you shine white light in, in your physics experiment into a prism and it separates out into the seven colours of the rainbow? Remember that? Back in the distant dark ages? My case. So it's the light that, that only streams from the text, but it's, it's one of the seven prismatic colours rather than the combined light of the very instructive and wonderful word, paraclete. You know, and as I, I listen to that, and he talks about seven prismatic colours, and I look at the Amplified, and, and he uses seven different words for um, paraclete. He uses the words comforter, counsellor, helper, intercessor, advocate, strengthener, and standby. And I thought it would be helpful as we, as we try to capture who the Holy Spirit is to, to just quickly look at those descriptors. We're going to do six out of the seven, and again, I'm going to do them quickly. Together, the, the, these words give us a, a picture, I think, of the paraclete, the one called alongside to help. So I think I'm going through them in the, the amplified order. The first one is the word comforter. I don't know what you think of when you think of the word comfort, but, but, but I think of, of the word reassurance. I think of the reassurance that comes from one who understands from one who is, who is with me and for me. From one who, who really knows how I feel and who really gets it. So, someone who can put everything for me into its proper context. And give me comfort. And so the paraclete's role is to, is to lead me into a state of reassurance a state of stability and security and shalom, peace. The point is he is able to minister to us comfort. As we'll see over the next few weeks, I think, with the Holy Spirit on the inside, we have a, a spiritual perception. We have a Spiritual awareness, a kind of sixth sense, if you like. And that's not so much on an intellectual level or on an emotional level. A level. Really, it's kind of deep in your spiritual guts, deep in your spiritual belly. And so the, the comforter gives us a deep awareness of God's presence. 
an awareness of his word and of his heart and, and frankly, of his love for us. This, of course, is invaluable. Do you know what? The world looks so much better when we are aware of that, aware of his presence and his word and his love. Number two is the word counsellor. You know, you are never more than a moment away from the inspiration or the leading or the voice of the Holy Spirit. Then think about what the word counsellor means. I think a counsellor is someone who gives you the wisdom you request and sometimes pay a lot of money for. A counsellor is one who gives you timely and judicious and applicable wisdom. The counsellor leads you to answers. He gives you fresh insight and clear perspective. And as required, he leads you to relational reconciliation. You know, the Holy Spirit is the ultimate confidant. The Holy Spirit is the one who, who reveals the hidden and unlocks the elusive and discerns the motives. He is the one who shows how the word makes sense or whatever it is that you're dealing with. I'd say this, how amazing to have continual access to the wisdom of heaven. To have the one called alongside to help you, help you see and to know and to understand and to discern and to decide. And that's what a counsellor brings. Number three, we'll go through these quickly again. Number three is a helper. I think we all know what a helper is. I was pondering this, the, the thought that dropped into my spirit was, was a helper is someone who assists you with a hard task. I'm mean, arguing if it's an easy task, you don't need a helper. But if it's a hard task, you most certainly do. To which I say, my word, don't we face hard tasks all the time? And here's the great news. We have the best helper that we could possibly wish for. We have a helper who is always up to the task, however hard it might seem. To which I'd say, why would we stubbornly dig our heels in? And why would we refuse or reject or ignore that help when we could go so much further and so much faster with it? Number four is the word advocate. As I picture this one, in every situation we find ourselves that there's a third person. There's a third agency. There's you, right, number one. There's number two, there's the person that you're talking to or praying about or, or dealing with. And then thirdly, there's the paraclete, your advocate. Here's the good news. You don't need to deal with anything alone. You always have the Holy Spirit as your advocate on your side. What does an advocate do in legal terms? An advocate supports you and defends you and advises you and intercedes for you. Number five is, is the word standby. Paraclete stands 
by you always. John 14, 16, that he may abide with you forever. Again, we've already stated, he's always at hand. He's alongside, he's always ready and available to parakletos, called alongside to help. And here's the thought. Every time you walk into every room, you take him with you. He's standing by. I love the picture of going into a difficult situation, difficult room, tucked in boldly, brazenly with big brother Jesus right in front of me. It's amazing how bold I can be under those circumstances. And the point is, if the paracletos, paraclete is the one called alongside to help, if he is your standby, then nothing need be too hard, nothing need be too scary or intimidating. If we are aware of the one whom we carry with us into every room. Maybe there, number six, last one, the strengthener. Here's this, this paradigm shift again. We, we need to get away from only operating in our own strength, only relying on our own abilities, which in my case are fairly limited, only drawing on our own wisdom. Now, that's a long way beneath what the Lord purposes for us. Remember the story, at Paul's weakest moment, when he's being buffeted by this, this thorn in the flesh, this mountain that he just couldn't seem to move, this hurdle that he just couldn't seem to climb over, the Lord said to him this, 2 Corinthians 12, verse 9, familiar verse, I suspect, my grace is all you need, my power works best in weakness. So now I'm glad to boast about my weakness so the power of Christ can work through me. That's why I take pleasure in my weakness. For when I am weak, then I am strong. You see, Paul had to learn a lesson that we all need to learn. And that's this. Your personal weakness your lack, your insufficiency is not the end. It's not paralyzing. It doesn't need to be the limit, the constraint on your outcomes. In fact, your personal weakness is an extraordinary opportunity because that's the place you learn to lean on his strength. The paraclete, the one called alongside you to help you to strengthen you. That is the place that you start to live NGO dunamis. I mean, you think about it for a minute, you know, through church history, particularly perhaps over the first, last 10 years, we've gotten quite slick. You know, our worship team, they're, you know, they're quite handy, really. I've preached a few messages. I can kind of churn them out. It's very easy to say. We just kind of default to just rocking along and rolling on and doing the same old, same old. And our own perceived self-sufficiency, we lose sight of the fact that actually we are supposed to be Holy Spirit sufficient. And if we would get out the way and stop kind of rolling through the motions, stop defaulting to what we've always done, that is the place where the Holy Spirit can really start to work and really start to move. Okay, let's wrap this up. Nearly done. What we're talking about here today it's John 10.10. 10. It's the abundant life. 
What we're talking about is, is Luke 24, 49. You will be clothed with power from on high. What we're talking about is Romans 8, 37, which talks about us being more than conquerors in Christ. It's 1 John 5, 5, which says you will overcome the world. And here's the point. It's no longer just you. No longer just you against the world. It's you and the paraclete. It's you and the one who has been called alongside to help you. It's you and your comforter, counsellor, helper, advocate, strengthener, standby, intercessor. It's you and the Holy Spirit living on the inside of you. And here's the, the reality that you and I, we really desperately, badly need the one who is called alongside to help us. This is how Jesus has set it up. Good news, folks. I'm going away. Crazy good news. What one version says, it is for your advantage that, you, that I'm going away. Why would we not step into the advantage that God has given to us, which is the paraclete, the Holy Spirit? The reality is we, if we're going to get where we want to get, where we feel we ought to get, where we need to get, we need the Holy Spirit, the paraclete, called alongside to help us. So this morning as we change, perhaps the worship team could come and get ready, that'd be great. Let, let's personalise the challenge a little bit. And I'm going to ask you this question. What exactly do you need today? We've talked a lot about who the Holy Spirit is and about what he did. We had 14 points from John 14 through 16. We had six of those prismatic colors the Amplified brings out around this word parakletos. The question is, if he is the one called alongside to help, personalized challenges, what help do you need today? I got good news. He's here and he's in you and he's available and he's ready to go. And the only constraining factor is you, right? So I'm going to simplify it because there are quite a lot of points I've made. Which of these three do you need? And I'm going to ask you to take this. The Lord, the ministry team are going to be available to pray this for you, around you, over you in a minute. But maybe what you need today is a bit of comfort. I suspect if I was to nudge, quite a few of you would say, you know what, I really could do with some reassurance. I'm facing difficult things. My heart's churning a bit today. My mind's all over the place. I'm not quite sure which way to go. What I really need is that reassurance that comes from the paraclete, from the comforter, who gets it. I've got good news today. That's, that's accessible for you today. So number one is comfort. Number two is counsel. I don't know what you're facing. Maybe tomorrow morning you've got an important meeting. Maybe there's a relational crisis. Maybe it's something really difficult you're facing. I've got good news for you. You have within you, you have the ultimate counsellor, the ultimate source of the ultimate wisdom. Why would you not use that advantage when he's called alongside to help you? So maybe that the counsel is what you need. If you need counsel today, good news. And then the third one is, is strength. You know, maybe this morning you're feeling a little bit weary. Maybe you're thinking, listening to Jamie jump up and down on that stage for 37 minutes has exhausted me. What I, what I, and I'll collapse in a minute, don't you worry. Maybe what you need is some strength. 
You know, maybe you're tired of doing it yourself. Maybe you're tired of banging your head against a brick wall. So much so there's an implant, imprintation upon your head of the brick wall. Why would you do that when you have access to the strengthener? The wonderful little verse, Luke 11, verse 13 says, If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? So the chat, the response is more very simple as ask him. You know, maybe you need comfort. Maybe you need counsel. Maybe you need strength. He has invited you to ask him. 